Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications Connect to more. Welcome to the jungle. We got fun and games. We got everything you want. How do we know the names? We are the people that can find whatever you make. Hey, yo. Welcome to your Monday. I love that Reese, the producer, plays songs that came out before he was even born. You know he's got it straight locked in. He appreciates good music. That, that's exactly right. It is Nuanas now. 1029 ESPN Missoula, your one-stop shop for all things sports and pop culture every day around the Treasure State right here on 1029 ESPN Missoula, statewide on SWX Montana Television and anywhere you want on the YouTube channel as well as on the live stream. If you want to listen live, all you got to do is go to 1029ESPN.com, click on the Listen Live tab. There you'll find the stream. The stream is presented by Opportunity Bank of Montana. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. If you want to get a hold of us, it's easy, 361-3688. That's 406-361-3688. You can also text that number as well. Keep that in mind for this show as well as throughout the week as we always have a bunch of great prizes to give away to you, the local and loyal listeners of this show. Uh, it is the second week of the new year now, so no more uh, New Year's blues. Now it's time to to roll on it, and now we're kind of getting into the meat of things when it comes to the Big Sky Conference. The coaching carousel is cranking full tilt Football is about as good as it could possibly be if you like a prevalence of games. We had six NFL games over the weekend and the national championship tonight. And, of course, we'll keep covering all the high school sports both around the city of Missoula, around western Montana, and around uh, the entire state of Montana. If you haven't been paying attention, Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, is going to be joining me every Monday and Tuesday from here on out. So we'll, uh, we'll be touching on a variety of subjects, but you already know what we specialize in. Big Sky Conference athletics, local high school stuff, and, uh, of course, the NFL, the FBS, Major League Baseball, and all uh, a variety of other different things as well. Take a look at what we got in the show today. 
If you haven't heard, Samari Torre, former University of Montana All-American wide receiver, he's headed to the University of Nebraska. He announced that earlier today. So we'll get into what that transfer means for him, uh, our reactions to it. Also, on Friday, about midway through this show, actually, Jeff Choate did not get the Boise State job. Andy Avalos hired as the head coach at Boise State, but Choate brought it all the way down to the wire. So I will analyze what that means for both the Bobcats, Boise State, and the Big Sky Conference. We also have some around the Big Sky in hoops. The Bobcats played over the weekend in Big Sky Conference action. They played Northern Colorado. The men swept. The women split. The Grizz and Lady Grizz did have games, but they were not Big Sky Conference games. Both those teams won pretty handily, although it wasn't maybe as easy as you might imagine for the men, Grizz, even though it was a almost 30-point victory. Uh, it was pretty close in the first half. Riley was there. He was on the call. So we'll get his reaction to uh, the win over Whitworth as well as uh, just a little bit of an update on what the Lady Grizz did yesterday against College of Idaho. I mean, they basically tried to just keep the starters out, get some reps for the, the bench team, and they ended up winning 61-33, but... Uh, not much there. Back into the Big Sky Conference play for both the Montana schools this week. Uh, also had breaking news on Friday. Tommy Lasorda, longtime manager of the Los Angeles Dodgers. He finished the race, 93 years old. He passed away. But Riley's a big Dodger fan. He spent his whole life going to Dodger games. And so I'm sure you have some, some different thoughts than maybe a lot of people around here because I know that that's probably somebody that was uh, cool for you to follow, especially growing up. Second hour FBS championship game is tonight, so we got a preview of what's going to go down between Ohio State and Alabama. I dug on the FBS all time, but I'm into this one because this is basically NFL light. We're going to see probably like 30 guys that are going to the league in this thing, so uh, I'm ready for it. And they'll also we'll give you a recap of those six NFL games. Riley was on fire. He went six for six in his picks last week. I was almost there, except for I did pick the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, uh, kind of uphill battle there, but I was able to hedge midway through and get some money back. But uh, I don't think anybody really expected that one, but you actually did call I, it. You know, I just hit the Steelers weren't six points better than anyone. I think at the end of it all, that first first snap, it was just a debacle from there. It was, man. I've never seen anything like that. No, I'm just glad I was able to establish a little bit of credibility here. We all know that means I'm probably going 0 for 4 next weekend, but... You know, it's good to have credibility. In <laughs> That's right. NFL expert Riley Corcoran <laughs> right here. It is new on us now, 1029 ESPN Missoula. Let's get into it. Smart Torre, former Grizz All-American. He went from breakout star as a freshman uh, to a guy that was trying to kind of earn um, some respect as a sophomore to a guy who broke a lot of Mark Mariani's records as a junior. 87 catches for 1,495 yards a year ago. One of the great single seasons by any Grizz receiver in the history of the Montana football program. In the offseason, he decides to enter the NCAA transfer portal as a graduate transfer. He did earn his degree from Montana. We had Bobby Houck live on this show, head coach for the University of Montana. And he said, hey, the kid did everything we asked him to. Uh, He was supposed to be playing his senior year right now here in Missoula. And there was no senior year to be played. So uh, Coach Houck, no animosity towards Smartori for going and exploring his options. He did declare, as we predicted on this show, he got a variety of interests. People always ask me, you know, why? What's the transition point like from an elite FCS conference at, a, at an elite FCS program like Montana then to trying to go to the Power Five? And I thought guys that hit the transfer portal this year had an elevated uh, even opportunity to get recruited by all the, the schools from the highest level because not honestly, the way coaches work, if they have high-level film of you, they're always going to gravitate towards that guy more than a high school guy because you can extrapolate it and project it way at a much higher level. But then the fact that you had almost half the states in the country not playing high school football, you have guys that aren't playing in their senior years, and so it's just so much less of a risk 
to recruit off of the portal, and we're seeing this all across the country at both the FBS and FCS levels. I know, say, for example, the Big Sky Conference, they did not sign anybody during the early period. I'm hearing they're going to try to conduct spring ball, see what the, where they're at, whether it's the actual games or just normal spring ball, see where they're at, and then fill in the blanks from the transfer portal. Weaver State only signed a handful of guys as well. But we've also seen it at Montana. I know Montana did sign 19 high school guys here during the early signing period. But many of those guys are either partial or non-scholarship guys. And in the meantime, they signed up, what, I think 11 FBS guys in the, in the offseason leading up to this year. So uh, different styles of recruiting. But, I mean, Samari Torrey, he got offers from everybody. I mean, you were telling me some of these from before the show. I was monitoring a little bit. But tell some of the people, I mean, everywhere that Samari was getting recruited by. I mean, I think everybody gravitated towards the obvious, okay, Oregon and Oregon State, right? He's from Portland going back home for that natural fit, the hometown story, the, the storybook ending of his career. I mean, right. that's what we all thought. I think, Especially or- with the Montana ties at Oregon State, too. Jonathan Smith, former Montana OC, a bunch of guys with Montana, Montana State ties on that staff. Exactly. And then the big bright lights of Oregon and playing for Oregon football, all of those things. You thought those two were the clubhouse favorites. Also heard... Florida State was in the mix, Mississippi State, because wow. of the, the Mike Leach connection mm-hmm. when Coach Leach at Wazoo, of course, Co- Coach Houck here, they correspond a little bit back and forth. He knew who Samori was. So you're talking some big-time programs, SEC football, a premier ACC program, of course, in Florida State. We know they're down a little bit. But to have those names and schools be in the list, it goes to show you and give Samori a lot of credit, a product of where we're at right now in FCS football where there was no opportunity. You don't, you can't blame him whatsoever for ending the, the portal and I think it's important to know Coach Houck not upset about it in the slightest. But you look at Samori. I mean, his stock could not be any higher right sure. now. It absolutely couldn't. We've had plenty of conversations about this, and it's no knock at all on him. But for nine games of the year last year, Sammy Akem was the number one receiver. Sure. And if you remember in fall camp, Samori was battling it out with Mitch Roberts. No where I remember there was a week there of fall camp where Samori fell to the backup line and yep. was really challenged. Give him credit. He had a breakout year. All the numbers. I mean, Breaking the school record in receptions, yards, touchdowns, pretty close in that. People forget, and it goes to show you records didn't matter for him. He would have finished as the all-time leading receiver here. He didn't need many more to pass. He just needed uh, 590 yards to be the Mm -hmm. all-time leading receiver, 10 more touchdowns to pass Mark Mariani. So he gave all of that up. His stock couldn't have been any higher. And it goes to show you with the list of names, Nebraska football, Oregon, Florida State, Mississippi State, he, uh, he definitely got there when the stock was high. In terms of my analysis of him as a player, because everybody's asking, everybody around the community is asking, how high of a level can this guy play at? Is transferring, quote-unquote, up really the best move or the best avenue to go to the NFL if that's what your dreams are? Samari Torrey has said that publicly, that you know, as his aspirations. That's what Coach Al kind of emphasized, too. He said, hey, we try to support our young men and the goals that they have for their future. And this kid's goal is to try to challenge himself at the highest level of college football and then try to make it at the highest level of football, period, in the NFL. I think Torre is uh, a really good route runner. I think he's very sudden in his movement. Uh, I think that he can sell you on the route with his upper body while being smooth with his lower body. That, that That's something I think that Brent Pease has really instilled in him, Montana's wide receivers coach. Torrey actually probably improved as much as any receiver on the team, too. And that's where that's how he went from a guy that was kind of battling for a spot to a guy that was an All-American. Uh, but you're right in terms of the fact that his stock probably couldn't have gotten much higher at Montana, especially with Sammy Akem coming back for his senior year. And then the assumed renewed health of guys like Gabe Solser in another year in the program for a guy like Mitch Roberts. And then the emergence of a guy like Keenan White, too, who's a guy who I know that they're really high on within the program. But Torre, I think, 
I think the opportunity for him at the NFL level is no better or no worse at Montana or Nebraska or anywhere else he could have gone. I think it's the exact same. Why do I say that? He could have probably put up bigger numbers at Montana than Nebraska, but I don't really know if he would have gotten as many chances because Sammy Kim's such a talented guy. I talked to Parker Gabriel, who works at the Lincoln Star Journal in in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, he's former Bozeman Daily Chronicle, Montana State beat writer, good friend of ours, good friend of this show. And he said that Torrey will be absolutely one of, if not the best receivers on Nebraska's roster right away. So maybe he has a chance to be a number one in a big ten, at a Big Ten program. That said, Nebraska only threw for about 190 yards a game a year ago, only five passing touchdowns for the entire season compared to nine interceptions. Adrian Martinez was a breakout guy as a freshman, and he had Nebraska in the top 25 preseason going into his sophomore year. They've struggled mightily since then. Uh, Scott Frost is trying to rebuild that whole program. He's an offensive-minded guy. He's had teams at both uh, Central Florida and Oregon that threw the ball for 330-plus yards a game. So the, the, the design is there. Obviously, Matt Lubick is a guy with a ton of Northwest ties as well. Uh, Sonny Lubick's son, and a, and a guy who's been all over, including at Oregon as well, and Old Miss, and he's been in every conference in the country, it seems like. So those guys have um, a resume that they they know how to do it. I just don't know where Nebraska's at. Adrian Martinez and Luke McCaffrey are both back. But in terms of Torrey, here's, here's the deal. When you're coming from a small school or you're coming from a, a program like Nebraska that has struggled to throw the ball in recent years, it's all about how you test. It's going to be all about his pro day. If Samari Torrey goes out because of how he's built, and by the way, you know I'm not set calling it. I'm not calling anybody out here, but he's been listed at six three one ninety five in his whole career, and he's not that. He's more like six one, six one and a half, and probably more like one eighty one eighty five. He's a slight guy, but he can run, and he's really smooth. How fast can he run though? If he if he goes out on his pro day and he runs like a four four, he's gonna he's gonna have a chance in the NFL. He's if he goes out and runs a four six, he'll probably still get into a camp. But it's all just about how he tests and how he performs in front of scouts. Absolutely, and I think this that scout exposure to going up against Big Ten corners is also going to be interesting, and that's maybe the difference in all of this. And give some more credit where he's going to challenge himself, but it'll be a little bit different when you're taking on Ohio State's corners and sure. when you're taking on other Big Ten corners that are five star recruits, and you really will get to know if you rise to the top or if you get double teamed or get treated like a number one receiver in the Big Ten, how do things change? And you're right on the improvement part of things. The route running, so exceptional for Samori Toure. That, to me, is maybe his best attribute. Um, him and Brent Pease worked so much with the jugs machine after. I know you've seen oh, yeah. those after. Uh, Pease after- always makes sure to shoot him right at me oh. when I'm doing my, post, my post-practice interviews. <laughs> he, he loves it with that little uh, uh, trademark smirk from Brent Pease, too. <laughs> That's, right. That's just a done deal. But he really improved and honed in on his craft, but it's going to be different at Nebraska. I think the fit is extremely interesting. You mentioned the numbers with they ran more than they threw. I mean, as far as their sure. production, they're a, a past second type team and I go to it's kind of a run and shoot type system too so how much is he going to be able to shine so again it does come down to whatever the numbers are put up it's his pro day how is he going to measure out will he be a draft pick and, and I also want to throw this one at you too would Samori have made this decision if the NFL hadn't announced already or one, because the NFL has an announced there's going to be a combine yet or sure. not because right. that I know was an option too of but just leave it right. just maybe straight go yeah, no, no question. Interesting fold here, too, looking at Nebraska's schedule for next year. The Huskers open up against Illinois. They play Buffalo. Then they're at Oklahoma, so that's the premier non-conference game. That'll be a big test. At Michigan State, Ohio State, Northwestern, Purdue, 
Michigan, Iowa. But this is the most interesting one to me. The third to last game of the year for the Nebraska Cornhuskers, November 13th in Memorial Stadium in Lincoln. They play Southeastern Louisiana. <laughs> Why is that impactful? Well, Samari Torre broke Randy Moss's single-game record for, F- for an FCS playoff uh, receiving yards with 308 against Southeastern Louisiana. This last year in Montana's, I don't even remember the final score, 73 to something, 73-28, I think, uh, is the most points I've ever seen scored in a playoff game. And I saw Dave Dickinson drop 73 times when I was a kid. So uh, it was definitely a route, and Smore had a uh, banner day. But you have to think that those southeastern Louisiana corners, they'll be like, hey, I remember this guy from last year. And that was that's going to be fun to watch too because will they try and light it up even more so? And I really think that's the game. We're talking about national exposure, right? That's when Samori really blew up, and when we knew the run that he had towards the end of the regular season. But that's next level right there. Southeastern Louisiana. That's a late non-conference game too. I think uh, Frank Selfo, their head coach, is still having nightmares about the over the top to Toure high stepping into the end zone a little bit. Uh, but we'll see. I- I'm curious if he's the number one guy. Does it really elevate his profile that much more? And if he's their number one guy, Coulter, it's different if you're only having 72 receiving yards and just something where you're not um, the primary focal point offensively. So um, it's an interesting fit all the way down the line. I know I was shocked when uh, we found out about the news today that it wasn't Oregon or a Florida State or, or Mississippi State, just one that complements the passing game even more. But one thing about it for Samori, he's going to stand out. Parker Gabriel just uh, solidified that point even more, and that's kind of the whole uh, point of moving up, right? Try and shine at a higher level and show off what you got. So see what Samori can do. Nuanas now, 1029 ESPN, Missoula Riley Corkin, voice of the Grizz, in studio with me, Coulter Nuanas. Go through some transfer stuff before we get into Jeff Choate not getting the Boise State job, and I think we both agree that's probably the best thing overall for the state of Montana. But two other entries into the transfer portal as of today, and it's going to be transfer portal season now. I mean, the college football season officially ends after tonight. We'll get into that game at the top of the hour, Ohio State versus Alabama in the national championship for the FBS. Uh, But two other entries on a local level, Naquan Parker from Montana State. He's a receiver. Uh, He's into the portal. He's a guy that, I I don't know, I I think that I have no take on this whatsoever because you have to feel bad for a guy like this. I mean, he transfers to Montana State from a junior college and then never, I mean, he participated in like, Eight football-related activities for MSU. He signed last winter. He got to do basically winter condo. No spring football because the Cats started late. Like five fall ball practices and then whatever, you know, the second version of fall ball was, and that's it. He's a 6'4", 195-pound guy. He looked good physically. Uh, American River Junior College transfer. No take on him whatsoever. So uh, that's just another casualty of coronavirus. Well, and he could even enjoy Bozeman during the pandemic either. Right. I mean, you thought at least you'd get a couple months out of it. But it, it is weird to me, Coulter. I mean, we go back to when you and I met each other really about 10 years ago. Just how different it is from guys that seem to me, and you see it maybe more with basketball, but even in football, how... Guys might show up for six, seven months at a place, don't get an opportunity, something doesn't work out, boom, they're already gone to somewhere else. It just was not this way 10 years ago. It's unreal. I think there's a lot of different factors. I think that it's more acceptable uh, culturally and within the locker room. I also think that it's just easier to get yourself recruited with all the social media stuff. It's easier. I mean, you basically get your, give yourself a billboard by entering the transfer portal saying, hey, every coach in the world, come recruit me. So... Uh, but I also think that there's a lot of more publicity for it, too. I mean, I, I, there was a lot of guys that, that couldn't hack it uh, at Montana when I was first covering the Grizz and Bobby Houck was the head coach. And they because Coach Elk was such a hard nosed coach, and it, it, you know, so they, they had a lot of transfers that came in and then didn't they weren't a fit and they were gone. 
The difference is they didn't they didn't get to publicize it themselves. And as we know, Coach Alk, once you're gone, you're gone. That's it. You're not. There's no nobody's talking about that. So yeah. uh, you're moving on. And you know you might get a little blurb in the newspaper or whatever, but it's not blowing up all over Twitter. You're not getting retweeted all the time. You're not having graphics of yourself playing and all this stuff. But uh, other entry into the transfer portal today. I actually thought this was one of, if not the biggest entries from the Big Sky Conference thus far. I should say the biggest entry has been Kevin Thompson from from uh, Sacramento State University of Washington. Uh, he probably regrets his decision. Big time. I, I mean, mean, he didn't get to play at all. Jeez. You wonder even why. I mean, and of all, not even Washington. I mean, he had so many other options that he could have sure. went to. So, uh, yeah, he's he's regretting his decision big time. I mean, seventh, eighth year guy. It's It's a valid question. Will he play again? Right. I mean, he might he might completely be done. Does he want to go through it all for one more year? Again, for man. I I mean, Coach Houck. When I we were joking about it when we were doing coaches shows back in September, October, trying to fill any sort of airtime in the sure. world, and I asked him about Kevin Thompson, saying, "Hey, your next game might be against eighth year senior Kevin Thompson." He said, "Highly, highly doubt that he'll still be on the roster, but." Who knows? That would be something. I mean, that's a college game day segment waiting to happen. Eighth-year senior, Kevin he's, Thompson. He's been in college football so long that he was recruited by Bobby Houck to UNLV. And now here he is still, still if he wants, eligibility. But today, probably the biggest entry from a defensive side, and it's also a Sacramento State Hornet, and that's Jerron Bland. Jerron Bland was a first-team All-Big Sky pick a year ago. Uh, I thought he was... One of the best true man-to-man slash nickel corners in the league. He could play up in the box. He even had a couple sacks because they bring him off the edge sometimes. But he's a physically formidable guy who's big, strong, and he can also really run. He runs for the Sac State track team as well. So uh, that hurts Sac State. But, I mean, it's not a surprise to me that Sac State has had the most entries into the transfer portal of any Big Sky team this offseason. First team that opted out of everything, Mm -hmm. so guys have had more of an opportunity. And you wonder this, too, and I'm just playing devil's advocate, that we all are still on the skeptical side of if this spring season is going to happen. You wonder that some teams, maybe they they know deep down we're really not playing, but they didn't want to announce it as early as the Sac State because look what's happening. They are having significant pieces week in, week out, it seems like, that are leaving their program. And you wonder what Troy Taylor's thinking down there, but... Also, just another layer to all of this stuff. That's a big-time loss because, I mean, he's a talented player, kind of a homegrown product, too. So I know that uh, he was well thought of over there. On the calendar, we're supposedly seven weeks out from the start of the the spring football season. But this clock starts ticking today because classes at the University of Montana open today. Classes at Montana State open a week from today. And because of this weird timing of this, the preparation and potential practices will be uh, now that school's back. So I, I think now we'll have a little bit more definitive idea of if and when teams can start working out, taking the field, and if and when we have a decision on whether this is really going to happen. I think there's a lot of different uh, reasons why it, it can't, but maybe some other reasons why uh, it can as well. We talked to Justin Angle from the University of Montana Business School last week, and he actually brought a couple points to the table that I thought were really good. It is Nuanas now. Riley Corcoran in studio with me, Coulter Nuanas, Jeff Cho. He emerged as a dark horse candidate for the Boise State job. Uh, made sense because he has Chris Peterson connections, serving as Chris Peterson's special teams coordinator at both Boise State for six seasons and then the University of Washington for three before taking the Montana State head job. Uh, he also had been around the country special teams coordinator for Mike Leach at Washington State, special teams coordinator for Will Muschamp at Florida. So he had a pretty lofty FBS resume. 
And as we know in state, uh, he's done a good job at Montana State as well, especially in the last two years, 19 wins and three playoff wins over the last two seasons for the Bobcats, and they definitely have that program on an upward trajectory. Well, he went from dark horse candidate to among the leading candidates to footballscoop.com reporting him as the leading candidate. Uh, If you missed anything from uh, I guess it was Thursday's show. I did a, a monologue all about the entire situation in terms of uh, who did what and what the Boise State job is all about, who's been there before, and the advantages that exist there. But long story short, Kellen Moore, who's the winningest quarterback in the history of college football, was the leading candidate. A lot of reports are that he was offered the job and tentatively accepted the job, but he put in a caveat, I want to be the guy who hires the athletic director. In the meantime, at AD had not been hired quite yet. Uh, the president of Boise State, as well as Chris Peterson as a special advisor, had started the preliminary coach search while they were still ironing out the athletic director job. Well, January 3rd, Jeremiah Dickey is uh, named the athletic director. Then uh, by the t- then Kellen Moore removes his name uh, from, from the candidacy, and then it was basically down to two candidates. And there was a private jet that went from uh, Bozeman, Montana to, or excuse me, from Boise to Bozeman and then to Eugene, Oregon, and uh, it was kind of fun tracking it. That I was know. an interesting flight plan. I don't think there's many commercial flight plans <laughs> that's like right. there, Colton. That's right. That's right. Good report by B.J. Rains of the Idaho Press. Uh, he basically was able to track down that flight plan, but it was fun uh, looking at you know where where the plane is from, when it's go when it's going, and and uh, there was a lot of scuttle going around. I mean, I was trying to get my Montana State people, all the sources over there, what's going on, what's going on, and there was you know administrator meetings uh, in the athletic department, and um, there was a lot of. Uh, uh, animosity. I should say animosity. There was a lot of anxiousness. Amongst, nervous moments. Yeah, nervous right? moments because I think that uh, everybody internally at Montana State really likes Jeff Choate, really likes the job he's doing. But more than anything, if Choate would have gotten the job, it would have been quite the timing if this spring season is going to happen because you, I mean, you absolutely probably would have had to promote internally right away, get an interim coach in there uh, to at least manage what these next couple weeks and months uh, would, uh, what's going to occur. But Dickey then eventually po- appoints Andy Avalos as the New head coach at Boise State. So Jeff Choate, he tweeted on uh, Saturday. He said, God is good. I'm so thankful for all the love and support I've received over the past several weeks. While I'm appreciative to have the opportunity to engage with Boise State, I'm thankful to be the head coach at Montana State University. I think this is good for the Cats. I think this is good for the state of Montana. But more than anything, I think it's good for Jeff Choate. I think Choate is a very dynamic person. I think he's incredibly passionate and driven. I think he's as hungry to win as any coach I've experienced in the Big Sky Conference. And the only other guy that I think is his peer in that desire to win is Bobby Houck. And that's why it's so fantastic. The rivalry just keeps on brewing. Um, But I was talking to my brother about this. We loved Coach Cho from a media perspective because he's a great talker. He's always going to engage with you. He's very educational. You can tell he spent 10-plus years as a high school teacher because, I mean, he's basically teaching you a class in football every time he gets on the podium, and, it, and it's great. It's 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 good for, for content. It's also just interesting to listen to. But like I was telling Brooks, of all the speeches I wish I could have heard Choate make, I wish I could have heard Choate make the speech to the team after he told him that he was coming back. Because I bet you that was a good one. I, I bet there were goosebumps all over the place in that locker room. Because he, he's such a guy that can inspire a group. And I think more than anything else, what's happened on the field, the culture shift. And we mentioned a little bit last week. But how he totally changed the culture, it felt like, mm-hmm. right away in Bozeman. And there's a lot of layers to 
the Boise State search and, and what went down. And I think maybe the biggest caveat in all of this was the athletic director search, too. Yep. Because yep. if there was a firm athletic director in place, how would have things changed? Would it have been an immediate no from Kellen Moore? Would have there been more internal support for Jeff Choate? To me, it seemed like the entire time that there were only four candidates. Yep. There really were. And three of them were Boise State guys. And then there was your one external candidate in Graham Harrell from yep. USC. Yep. You had Kellen Moore, the clubhouse leader. And then you had Andy Avalos, who was Oregon's defensive coordinator stellar linebacker at Boise State, but spent time, of course, coaching at Boise State. So you can see the ties there. But what was interesting to me, Coulter, was all of the support that Jeff Choate had from guys like Chris Peterson, Gerald Alexander, Gerald players. Alexander was a big one. I mean, yep. that, that's huge right there. And I, I think that that goes to show you how well-liked the coach Choate is, that that to the fact that his overall record would kind of, and I shouldn't say brushed aside, but to be looked at as more of, no, look at the body of work and what he's done from the culture standpoint. We want him here. We know the wins are going to come. And I do think, though, from a, a big picture standpoint here in Montana, it's fantastic that he's staying because it is only going to create more juices behind the rivalry. I'm sure everybody in Bozeman is relieved. That would probably be the right word I would yep. describe. But it also brings a different point up to me, Coulter, as far as, number one, what Coach Coach Choate still needs to prove. And you were touching on that, too. But just in the sense of maybe a solidified offensive scheme a yep. little bit more, right? I know we were talking about a little bit before the show, but that's an important piece to this, I think, for when he does decide the next level is where it's at. Choate has beat the Grizz four years in a row. He beat the Grizz as uh, handily as any Bobcat coach has ever beaten the Grizz in the Big Sky era a year ago. I believe his Montana State's largest margin of victory in the Big Sky era in the rivalry. That's given him a lot of sway, a lot of sway with boosters. And swagger. It, uh, swagger, no <laughs> question. But when you really break it down, you take the four Grizz wins out, and Coach Choate then has won, I think he's won four games against ranked opponents that weren't the Grizzlies. Um, they they did win four ranked games against four ranked teams a year ago, including two in the playoffs. Um, but, I mean, Southeastern Missouri State is a little bit different than uh, – you know, even South Dakota State, North Dakota State, he, I mean, he never beat either of those schools. He's never beat Eastern Washington. He's never beat Weber State. Now, that said, they skipped those teams on the schedule last year when they had their best team thus far in the Choate era. But I think there's a lot of unfinished business at uh, Montana State for Coach Choate. And I also think that he does. I think he needs to develop some more offensive connections. When Gerald Alexander left and now he's with the Miami Dolphins, just plug and play. They had guys ready to go. When Ty Gregorak moved on from Montana State, they already knew. Can I own? New defensive coordinator. They've been able to shuffle their coaching staff pretty fluidly, uh, but he's had a lot of really young guys at offensive coordinator. Matt Miller proved himself, and now Matt Miller's at Boise State, so that's a good thing. But he doesn't have that rabbit in the hat, like so to speak, for the offensive connections. Now, that said, maybe if he's the Boise State head coach, that's different because maybe that attracts some more uh, names to the table, but you can't go to Boise and not be able to develop a quarterback or an offensive scheme. Boise State has been an offensively driven school since Pokey Allen was there in the early 90s, let alone Dirk Cutter, Dan Hawkins, Chris Peterson. I mean, all these guys are some of the most revered offensive minds in all of college football. I think they produced six pro quarterbacks in the last 25 years, you know, from Ryan Dinwiddie through, uh, you know, Ryan Finley and Brett Rippon, who's now in the NFL. So uh, they have a try. I mean, obviously, Kellen Moore as well. So they have a tried and true formula. And it, it, and the other thing about Coach Choate is that he's so good at building culture. I think he's so he's such a great coach if you have a broken culture, with which Montana State undoubtedly had. Boise doesn't have a broken culture. You're not taking over for a fired guy. This is not a disastrous program. This is a program that's gone 244 and 40 over the last 20 years. So you're talking about like, so maybe 
maybe it's a can't fail proposition, but I just feel like Choate is going to be in the mix for these jobs in the future. I'm glad he stayed at Montana State for a variety of reasons, but I do think it's the best thing for him and this program as well. I think so, too. And there's a lot of layers to where Boise State's at right now, too. And you make a good point with they don't need to fix it very much from what they got going there. Number one is just the support they're going to have financially to their football program. But it's amazing to me, and you've been around enough coaching searches now where you look at it and what is important to fan bases, athletic directors, and presidents, believe it or not, style of play is up there. Are we going to excite our fan base? Well, there's a lot of great triple option coaches down the road. I remember Paul Johnston, who was at Navy forever, and Georgia Tech, I mean, same type of deal. He's the best guy on the can- on the market. But at the same time, do we want a triple option style here? And I know that Montana State, with their running, is far from that. But you get what I'm saying about style of play being important and, and does it move the needle enough? And you wonder a little bit how much that played a part into the, the bigger name with Andy Avalos. But that brings me to maybe, Coulter, the biggest point in all of this. Where we have seen it now with Jeff Choate against Andy Avalos. We saw Bo Baldwin's career path, which I thought was interesting at the time, right? Sure. His stock really couldn't get much higher at Eastern Washington. Well, when you're talking about these bigger power five slash big group of five jobs like Boise State, is it a big a more attractive hire to get that coordinator right. at the F at the power five level or a successful FCS head coach? Because it's interesting to me, but certainly that trend is you need to go be a coordinator at a power five school compared to an FCS head coach. So much of this about connections to which programs you've been at previously. Obviously, Choate had a reputation from being at Boise and having such a close relationship with Chris Peterson as well. But that was one thing I was thinking about is, again, I, I love Jeff Choate. I think he does a great job at Montana State, and I think he will be in the mix for a big-time job uh, continuing into the future. But all I was thinking of was, man, what does Joe Glenn or Craig Bull or some of these other coaches that won you know multiple national – I mean, I guess Joe Glenn played for two and won one national championship at Montana – Craig Bull won three in a row at North Dakota State. I mean, Wyoming's a good job, but it's not Boise State. And so uh, I was just wondering what that what those guys were were thinking as well. Correction to a text from a loyal listener. Both schools actually started classes today. I thought Montana State was a week behind, but Montana State also started classes today. Come on, Colt. With everything you have going, you don't have the <laughs> academic calendar memorized from both. Yeah, come on, you got to do better. I man. know, I got to do better. Hey, National Championship's on tonight. Guess what? You can go watch it at the Silver Slipper. You can also watch any sports at the Silver Slipper seven days a week. 55 TVs to watch all the action. Drink specials every day. I guarantee they're going to have some sweet drink specials for tonight's game. 20 Kino Machines Liquor Store and Tarantino's Pizza. It's good, I promise. There's nowhere else you should be watching your favorite teams. At the Slipper, it's all about great food, tasty drinks, and the urge to have a good time. The card room's rolling again as well. 7 p.m. nightly for poker. All you got to do is visit MissoulaPoker.com. For more info, stop by and see why the Silver Slipper, one of Montana's best kept secrets across the street from Walmart on Brooks. Check them out on Facebook for daily drink specials and up-to-date info. Big Sky Conference hoops plus update on the Grizz, who did not play Big Sky Conference games this weekend, but the Montana men and women were in action. The Montana State men, they got a sweep. We'll tell you more about it right after this. 
Coulter, obviously, if people are traveling, you got to have them stay somewhere else, not with you. That's true even when COVID isn't going on, and especially now. So you send them out to the Wingate. We know that. That's obvious. What you might not know is about all the meeting space they have out there, convention space, and even personal office space, because God knows I can't stand being with you any much longer. I'm going out there. I'm going to lock up my own personal office at the Wingate. You can do the same thing. If you need a business space, whether it's for yourself personally or or you're just tired of doing Zoom meetings, you just want to see other humans, but you want to be socially distanced, the Wingate has great business meeting rooms. You can space out. They have all the hookups and technology you're going to need for any sort of meeting or presentation. Or if you're like Ryan and you just want to have a place where you can work in peace and quiet, the Wingate Inn also a great option for those that live and work around Western Montana and the city of Missoula. If you have anybody coming through town or you want to get your kids out of the house, Wingate also has awesome rooms, great business rates. The pool is back open. They've done a great job of making sure that's going be safe for you and your family. The Wingate Inn, located in Missoula, it's an excellent option for business travelers, local business people, or anybody coming through the city of Missoula. Let the Wingate Inn make you feel at home even when you're not. Special January promo going on by the Wingate by Wyndham right now as well. If you stay two nights in January of 2021, you get a free growler and a fill card for Big Sky Brewing. Big Sky Brewing just right across the way from the Wingate. So if you book, all you got to do is book through the hotel directly. Google Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula, limited to one free beaker per customer, but stay two nights, January 2021, free growler and fill card from Big Sky Brewing, and tell them Nuanas Now sent you. Welcome back. Nuana is now 1029 ESPN Missoula, statewide SBX Montana Television. If you want to find us on social media, hit up our Facebook page, Facebook backslash ESPN Missoula. You can also find us on Twitter at Skyline Sports MT, at Coulter underscore Nuanez. Riley Corcoran in studio with me. You can find him at Voice of the Grizz. That's a good get by you. That was the... Uh, Somebody the, asked me the other day, did he have to buy that? I said, no, <laughs> he just got it first. This is pretty funny. The night before I knew it was getting announced, I just was kind of scrolling through. I said, that'd be kind of cool because it, it always bothers me, unless it's like very significant, but to have like numbers on the end, like at Coulter Nuanas 42567. Like that, I just didn't want any of right, that. So right. I said, eh, shot in the dark. Let's go. Voice of the Grizz was there. Rest is history. Gotta love it. We're going to do a little Big Sky Hoops here in segment number two. Start with the Montana State men. Montana State was on the road at Northern Colorado. I thought it was going to be an interesting transition after watching Northern Colorado live in Missoula last week. And uh, the identity of these two uh, series, I guess we'll call them, were uh, just tremendously different. First of all, Northern Colorado plays about the exact same style as they have the last several years under Jeff Linder. Now that they have uh, a new first-year head coach in Steve Smiley. They want to trade threes for twos. They're going to chase you off the three-point line better than anybody, not only in the league, but in the country. They've been, I think, in the top three in all of NCAA Division One over the last several years uh, in terms of three-point attempts by their opponents or lack thereof. And then they also like to make a bunch of threes. And we saw that in the games in Missoula. Basically, Northern Colorado, I think the first game hit nine threes, and the Grizz only shot like four. And a couple slugfests, both these teams are defensive-oriented. So I was wondering how I was going to transition into this Montana State series. The Cats are markedly improved on defense under Danny Sprinkle. He's got uh, both the scheme and the effort locked in. They've improved their athleticism quite a bit, particularly on the perimeter. 
And they have a guy, and we'll get into some of my other impressions about the Cavs because it was fun watching them because they haven't played a D1 game in 16 days leading up to this series. But Abdul Muhammad, he's going to be a weapon in this league. He's a six foot nine guy who's a grad transfer from North Texas. He can guard on the perimeter, though, and that's how they really gave Bodie Hume trouble, uh, Northern Colorado's all-big-sky wing. But that's here nor there. In terms of the, just the difference in the complexions of these games, the Montana games versus Northern Colorado were straight slugfest. They were just grinds. The Bobcat games were run and gun. And I thought it was fascinating. After, the Monta- after Montana State... Uh, sprung an upset against UNLV in their opener and scored 91 points because UNLV was pressing and Xavier Bishop just ran them into the ground. I thought to myself, no one's ever going to press Montana State again. Then Northern Colorado was running a three-quarter court trap for a part of the game. I'll tell you this. Of all the ways that you can defend Montana State, you do not want to press Xavier Bishop. He's the fastest baseline-to-baseline player, I think, in the league. He's a jet. That's how you become a D1 player when you're 5'7". You have to be the fastest guy on earth, and and he is. And Bishop scored 28 in the opener. He scored 14 in the last 10 minutes. It was all him during this 18-0 run. I mean, he was just getting in the rim over and over. And then on Saturday, uh, he came back. He had 22 points, including 14 in the in the second half and in overtime. In 42 minutes, by yeah, the way. Exactly. But it was the Amadadamu show on Saturday. Amadadamu made 9 out of 10 field goals during one stretch, and he was just absolutely out of his mind, scored 36 points. And I think that's one of the top 20 totals in the history of the Bobcat program. So uh, a couple really athletic guards that really pushed the pace at Montana State. They earned a weekend sweep over Northern Colorado. I'm curious on a couple things. First off, give credit to the Cats because we talked about that last week of who are they? I mean, how do we even know what they are right now? They we had no idea. Right. And, and they went out to get a road sweep. I don't care if it's the worst team in the league. I don't care if it's Idaho. You yep. get a road sweep in this league, yep. that is significant. But my biggest part of this is you mentioned about the style of play being completely different. Does that say more about Northern Colorado's ability to adapt? Does it say more about the Cats' strength? Or does it maybe say more about where the Grizz are at with their offensive crisis right now because that's, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, those are three angles that you can take from it. We know Northern Colorado, they they kind of morph to whatever their opponent is. Um, Coach Secure said it uh, last week about how much Northern Colorado gets up for the Grizz game. So was it a Grizz hangover effect a little bit too? That's a real thing, but Again, I think it might be more on Montana State and their ability where they're at at the guard spot. And Bishop's a game changer. He's an absolute game changer in this league where he passes the eye test. He changes kind of what MSU can do, possession and possession out. But I'd be curious on your take. You're one that watches the style of play from all of these things. What would you maybe attribute to it most? Well, I think that one thing that's worth noting is I think that Montana is the easiest team in the league to scout. That's not a shot at their program whatsoever. It's just that they run the same system that they've run for seven years under Travis DeKir. You know exactly what they're getting. That's why they're so good, though, is because they do they out-execute everybody. Coach DeKir is going to figure out a way to get you in the right spots on both offense and defense. They're going to run the same principles, by and large. But there's not a lot of surprise in what they were going to do. So I think Northern Colorado, they knew what actions they were going to get. They knew what Montana was going to do. And so it wasn't necessarily the surprise. I do think the Cats have a little bit, a few more tricks in their bag. They did run a little bit of a like a 1-3-1 zone in the second half that they, we haven't seen as much. And the fact of the matter is that they had no real game film for more than a month because you're probably not looking much into Yellowstone Christian College or Montana Western. And the game at Wazoo got so out of hand so early that there wasn't much to scout. Montana State was just trying to climb back in because they were down 30 in the first half. So that game was kind of a throwaway too. So you basically only had a couple. Pacific and Portland? Pacific and Portland. Those are the only two like like opponents that you could scout. But also though, I mean, let's, let's be 
honest here. Xavier Bishop is a great player. I think he's going to be an all-Big Sky type guy. He's the Big Sky Conference Player of the Week for the second time this week. Uh, and that was announced earlier today. And I think he's going to be a real threat in the league. I, I think Adamu's really good. Adamu, he caught lightning in an absolute bottle. I mean, I was texting a couple of Montana State people during the game, and I said, sometimes Adamu drives me crazy because <laughs> he takes a lot of bad shots. Because he, he's one of those guys, he's so athletic, he can get whatever shot he wants. It doesn't necessarily mean it's a good shot. And he's he's the classic taking the Russell Westbrook 17-footer that's not a good shot. But when he's making them, all the shots are good shots. He, he checked two or three in a row, go in, that it, hoop gets big. Exactly. And, and he, I mean, he was the one that led them all the way back there. I mean, Montana State was down 13 points in this game in the first, in the second half. And Adamu led them all the way back. Him and Bishop scored every single one of their points during a 10-minute span. Adamu, I think, had 17, and Bishop had 7 to lead all the way back to being tied. And then they were able to finish the deal. Adamu had 6 in overtime. Bishop had 4 in overtime. So it was all about the guards. And uh, it might be a little feast or famine with those guys just because neither one of them are elite shooters, although they're both better shooters than I think that anybody in the league's given them credit for yet. But when they get rolling, and if they're both rolling, they're going to be one of the hardest matchups in the league because those guys, I mean, Adam was a six foot four guy who can straight jump out of the gym. He's one of the best athletes in the league, and Bishop might be the fastest player in the league. So they're going to give teams problems. And they're going to give a lot of teams problems, and you know me. I'm already looking ahead to January 28th. What's January 28th? The rivalry. Bingo. Exactly. They play back to, well, January 28th, January 30th. But to me... A couple of different things are going to be fascinating about this year's Grizz Cat Cat Grizz games are, number one, this might be the first time under Coach DeCure that Coach DeCure might uh, be a little jealous, at least of the current guard situation. That's sure. over. I mean, the strength of Montana is clearly in the front court, and Montana State right now, the backcourt with Bishop. It'll be interesting to me to see how Coach DeCure, the rest of the staff, game plan against Bishop. Uh, the other element to all of this is these seem like, coin flip games to me at least as of right now and Coulter I'm, I'm even looking ahead you know I'm a big schedule guy look at what the Cats have they have two home games against Portland State mm-hmm. who just dropped a game to a Division 2 school Northwest Nazarene and then they go play Northern Arizona who just got swept by Idaho State who knows where they're at you, you read reports that Coach Bercar, the st- the players right now kind of went at it a little bit on sure. Saturday Coach Bercar got teed up ugly performance against Idaho State I'm looking a little bit ahead here Cats could very easily be five and one, if not maybe six and zero oh, going into Grizz Cat. I mean, that could be very interesting here the final week in January. Yeah, it's uh, the other point worth noting too is that last year Montana State and Danny Sprinkle said this on this exact show last week. He said we knew exactly who we were last year in terms of who were our best players. Because Montana State's best players were so far superior to the rest of the roster, like they absolutely knew that uh, Harold Frey was their best guard. There was no other. There was no other uh, competition for who was the best guard other than Harold Frey. They also knew that uh, Jabril Bella was their go-to post player. Everybody, all, everybody else was playing in the front courts. Basically, were young guys. And so now, though, the, the the point that the Cats deserve so much credit for was Northern Colorado took the exact same approach in Game Two as Northern Colorado did in terms of the big guys were trying to get each other in foul trouble. In the Grizz series, Stedman got a little bit in foul trouble and then didn't respond and then only played 15 minutes in the first game. In the second game, though, he got Joe Kuch into foul trouble and then he feasted and he got a double-double. Is the same thing in this one. Bello was killing it in the first game. I think he ended up with 18 points and he got Joe Kuch out of the game pretty quick. But then the second game, 
he was riddled with foul trouble, and, and Bello only ended up playing 14 minutes. I mean, he's their all-big sky guy. He was supposed to be the go-to scorer on this thing, and usually you think, that guy gets in foul trouble, the Cats are going to melt down. Well, it didn't happen. They were able to respond even without the guy that they usually just can throw the ball to and get a layup. And that's something, too, that Bello's got to be careful that I remember the game in Missoula last year, too, where he was out of the game very early on. It seems he's very feast or famine when it mm-hmm. comes to the foul trouble side of things. That is a strategy that a lot of big sky coaches just employ. They go, just get the big guy in foul trouble. Is that a product that I don't want to get too far in trouble here, but is that a product of the refereeing? Yeah. Is it a product of a lot? I mean, you could go down the road a lot. It's just really unfortunate, and I sit there courtside, and you're at all the games, yep. too, where you see it more often than not. You've got a great matchup. You've got a great matchup ready to go, yep. and both guys pick up two fouls in the first five minutes. It's and, maddening. Oh, great. Then, then we'll see him again in the second half. It's, it's not what the, it's about. I hate when it happens, and it just seemed that Bellows maybe been on the wrong side of that a little bit more than most. For sure, with the high hedge ball screen stuff that Montana does defensively, I mean, Fabian Krizlovich, it, w- it was 100%. His efficacy was going to be determined by the crew. Yep. If the crew is going to get a, let him get away with being physical on the hard hedge, which is what the coaches are demanding of him, he was going to play. And if he got two fouls early, bam, he's on the bench. It is, I mean, I've talked to Jamar Coe about this a lot. Oh. Jamar Coe used to always say, like, yo, it's not my fault that no one can guard me. Like, how am I getting these calls and, and on the flip side, I mean, you know, we, we don't need to get into it, but I mean, the Sam Newman specials with Jamar Coe is just like, <laughs> come on, man. Like, you yep. got 6'4", 200-pound Sam Newman guarding 6'9", 260-pound Jamar Coe. Like, it, it's not it's not an even playing field. Here's what we're going to do. We're take a quick break. Nuana's now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Talk a little bit about Grizz Hoops, but more importantly about the loss of Tommy Lasorda, one of the all-time greatest Dodgers of all time. Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, and passionate Dodgers fan with me in studio back after this. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. Nuana is now 1029 ESPN Missoula statewide SWX Montana Television Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, joining me, Coulter Nuana's. From the ESPN Missoula studios. Riley will be back tomorrow as well. We're going to dive into some prep sports. Of course, we'll have a recap of the national championship from tonight as well. And uh, teases for later on this week. Dan Ryan, new strength coach at the University of Montana. Going to join us on Wednesday for the ESPN Roundtable. Uh, as well as Coach Mackey is going to join us as well. New new head basketball coach at Missoula Sentinel. Sentinel open up the weekend with a sweep of Kalispell Glacier. So Wednesday's show, co-hosted by Sean Rainey. Featuring a couple of good interviews. Riley, I know we want to talk a little bit about Tommy Lasorda, but uh, first and foremost, you called the Grizz game on Saturday. The Grizz pulled out an 84-67 win, but it wasn't uh, as much of a runaway as maybe expected against a Division Three opponent. But this actually seems to always be the case when they play Whitworth. Whitworth always seems to go 
toe-to-toe with the Grizz for one half and then kind of just doesn't have enough depth to hang. But it's always a good test because, I mean, Whitworth, they execute well. They're a well-coached team. They are very well-coached, and they obviously get up for this game. I mean, you're a Division three school. You get the chance to play under the, the, the bright lights, the big stage, and they play well. They're a fundamental team. I mean, Division three powerhouse, and I know you can, you can look at that from both sides of the coin, but when you win 20 games or more in 15 straight years, you're doing something right, and that's exactly what Whitworth has done. Coach DeCure likes it. The programs have great respect for each other, but I mean, when you get into the nuts and bolts of it, Whitworth outplayed Montana, in my opinion, for 20 minutes in that game before Coach Secure made some adjustments and the teams figured it out. But what was interesting to me, Whitworth ran a 1-3-1, and they came out of it right away, and it flustered the Grizzlies. They had 13 first-half turnovers in that, and Travis said afterwards that it's a lot of comparisons to what maybe Eastern, just a couple looks that they're going to see from Eastern, so he really... And maybe the Cats, too. Exactly. So at the end of it, he said, this is a good game for us down the road. As far as during the 40 minutes, were they that impressive? If I'm being honest, not really. I mean, the the first half was kind of, okay, more more about Whitworth in the second half adjustments. It's it's you're, you're starting to see the identity more and more, though, with the Grizz, that it's going to be, and I think Coach DeCure would probably prefer this, even though we maybe talked that they need kind of an alpha and they need a guy. It just seems that they have a lot of interchangeable parts. No one played more than 30 minutes. You got seven guys that played 20 minutes or more. No one had a big breakout game, but just a solid effort. It was just nice to see maybe offensive flow, I think, a little bit more. Northern Arizona in Missoula this weekend, Thursday and Saturday. A typical schedule. First time it's been actually typical, although the game Thursday is a 5 p.m. tip rather than your typical 7 p.m. tip. So we'll be giving you updates for the first half during this show, and then I'll be racing down there to get the second half. But oh, that's right. A little uh, little revenge on the mind for the Grizzlies uh, after that yes. loss in Flagstaff I, last year. That one hurt big time, and that one really changed the momentum of everything, in my opinion. The Grizz were kind of rolling. They go to NAU. Travis had never lost to NAU. You, 10 straight wins, right. but just straight, honestly, straight domination over the mm-hmm. Lumberjacks. And uh, NAU wins by a point last year that kind of derailed the Grizzlies' chances. They were right there for a regular season title until kind of that game. So revenge will certainly be on the mind. It's just a matter of will the players on this team remember that game from last year that much? Thursday's show, I'm going to tell you a story about Northern Arizona men's basketball, Montana men's basketball, and how the entire arc of the Grizz program could have been different if one Domino would have fallen into place, so stay tuned for that. That's a tease of all teases stay right there. Stay tuned for nice. that. Nice. Riley, you're the biggest Dodger fan I know. It actually makes me sick sometimes. <laughs> but uh, you got yourself a World Series this year, and uh, you know I always think yeah, you don't want to tie too much together. But Tommy Lasorda passes away at the age of 93, and you have to think that he died a happy man having the Los Angeles Dodgers win the championship, but the guy was the manager for the Dodgers for a full 20 years, one of the longest tenured managers and one of the most iconic managers of the modern era in Major League Baseball. In your words, why was he so beloved? I, just how charismatic he was. How and much hilarious. Oh my gosh, he was a quote machine. What he meant to that franchise, he was kind of, it seemed to me he was still like teen grandpa in a way. I mean, the players right. that had outpouring support for him, he sat in the owner's uh right next to the owner seats right next to the dugout every single home game so just thought of in such high regard and down the road and I put Tommy Lasorda almost in the Vin Scully category for just iconic Dodger people that you see and it was nice to see fulfilling that he told a lot of people down the road his health has not been good for four or five years he said all I want to do is watch one more World Series be brought back to LA so in that storybook kind of way it was really nice to see and then he kind of 
of course, let go towards the end. And uh, he said he'd die a happy man. The one sad note that comes from it, he had a, a talk with ownership last week even and said, um, he said, hey, we want you to throw out the first pitch on opening day mm-hmm. next year. And so he, uh, th- that was about the only thing that became really sad out of it. But you're right. I, I think that he died a happy man. And uh, it was uh, very fitting that he, as well as Vin, were able to hang on to watch the Dodgers bring back the World Series. When you think of the Dodgers and the iconic members of that franchise, so many of the guys that first popped to mind are the guys that played for the Brooklyn Dodgers and, and then the guys that were on the team when they first made the transition to California, the Sandy Koufax and John Drysdale, of course, Jackie Robinson, Roy Campanella, you know, Gil Hodges, all these guys. Uh, but it, it, do you think, I mean, is, is it, in the Los Angeles only era, is he the most iconic member of the Dodgers franchise? He's got to be up there. It's got to be, what, who, him, maybe Kershaw? I, I, Hershiser? Right. I mean, I, seriously, Kurt Val, uh, Fernando. Fernando Valenzuela. Fernando, yep. and then... I know I'm biased, but throw Vin Scully in there. I mean, sure, those are really course, the five most iconic names yep, that yep. you could really associate with the Dodger franchise. And to still be able to do it, there's one fun story about Tommy where he played and wasn't much of a player as sure. far as the major league level is concerned. They had a championship-type team, and ownership called him into the office one day and said, Tommy, we've got a big-time problem. We, uh, we've got too many good players on this team. And they had to boot Tommy Lasorda out because they needed a, a player called Sandy F- Koufax to make the roster. So <laughs> Tommy Lasorda's playing career ended because of Sandy Koufax. Yeah, I love it. What if there's a place you could walk in, get physical therapy, pay a flat fee, and feel better? Well, there is. Physiotrek, Missoula's uh, only walk-in physical therapy office. Physiotrek offers physical therapy on your time at a flat fee so you can feel better faster. No need for a referral or insurance. Just go to physiotrek.com to book your appointment and feel better today. You know you've been wanting to try dry needling or some specific stretches to help. You can do that now at Physiotrek. Visit physiotrek.com or book an in-clinic or telehealth appointment today. That's physiotrek.com. Nuana is now 1029 ESPN Missoula. Statewide SWX Montana Television, Hour 1 in the books. Hour 2, we're talking FBS National Championship and the weekend that was in the NFL. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 